Hey, welcome to Not to Oscars, a podcast about criminally underrated performances in modern cinema getting the recognition they deserve. Uh, each week, one of the hosts, uh, one of the three of us, will nominate a performance for the illustrious Vincent D'Onofrio Award, uh, an award of our own creation, birthed from our mutual love for Vincent D'Onofrio's impeccable performance as Edgar the Bug in Men in Black. I'm Josh, and uh, we're, as always, joined by uh, my other two co-hosts, Erica and Anthony. Hello. All right, for our first-time listeners, one of us has a performance they've chosen to nominate this week, while the other two of us score their arguments to determine if that performance does indeed reserve the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. Uh, This week, Erica was assigned a film from the year 1996, was it? Seven. 1997. So, Erica, what are we walking into? Okay, for your consideration, uh, this week I asked you guys to watch the 1997 film Gross Point Blank and specifically to pay attention to John Cusack's performance in it. Um, I had a lot of trouble choosing a movie. The first movie that came to mind actually was Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. And I, mm. I rented it on Amazon, I watched it. And I could not get over, like, the performances are as good as I remember them being, but I just could not get over how many fat jokes and homophobic jokes were in it. And I just couldn't in good faith bring that to you guys. I just, it was, it was really, it really turned me on. I don't know that I'll ever watch that movie ever again. Well, that is very fair. You know, I also appreciate that you're doing your homework before you're making the choice because i have not done that for either of the movies it was just Me i know either. what i'm doing so good on you good on you for doing that well you know it, i i was basically watching it because i wasn't sure whether to tell you guys to watch for lisa kudrow or for Mira sorvino and they're both yeah. really really good performances but i just it was tough watching that movie i mean yeah, it'll be interesting to see as we continue to do this how many other movies that from my like teenage years we've ruined by doing this podcast. Um, or but, if we do give out an award for a movie that's like super offensive. Yeah, that's Because true. somebody was in there and like they still crushed it. That's interesting. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, I turned to the other high school reunion movie that came out in the year 1997. Um, and that's Gross Point Blank starring John Cusack. I, I had never seen this movie before. Neither had I. Really? Never seen it. Never. I don't think I'd ever heard of it, really. Like, I might have, like, you know, heard of, like, I might have, like, seen it, like, scrolling, like, on his Wikipedia. I wasn't familiar with it at all. Uh, do you want to give us a, a little synopsis of the movie? Yeah, so that we, I'd love uh, to. know what's going on. Sure. So, contract killer Martin Q. Blink uh, receives an invitation to go home to his 10th high school reunion. Um, he do- really doesn't want to go, um, but he's urged to by his kind of secretary slash controller, Joan Cusack. Um, and he is really hung up on this girl that turns out he stood up on prom night. It was like his high school girlfriend played by Minnie Driver. And then it turns out that he receives a contract to go Back to his hometown of Gross Point, Michigan, which is a real place. Um, and he, you know, reconnects with his best friend from high school. Um, 
reconnects with Minnie Driver and then eventually opens the envelope and finds out that the contract that was taken out um, for him to follow through with is her father. Meanwhile, he's asked to unionize by another contract killer played by Dan Aykroyd, which is also a really fun performance. And when he says no, um, and through like a series of events, winds up accidentally taking away um, a job from Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd mobilizes a whole host of other contract killers to try to track down John Cusack and hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue indeed. Yeah, a lot of Hank Azaria is also in this. Hank Who? Azaria playing playing like a very oh, straight laced character, mm-hmm. along with Kate Todd Friedman, who's a company member at Steppenwolf. And and yeah. I loved watching him in this because I most recently saw him in the series of unfortunate events adaptation on Netflix, where he's playing like an crazy ass character just like doing like some serious character work so it's also fun to see him play kind of a straight man in this um and jeremy piven's in this um yeah he is sorry i'm just remembering jeremy piven has a different hairline in that movie too because like it looks like it's fading back then and he does not look like that on entourage it's true no hair plugs Uh, something um Actually, all four Cusack siblings are in this movie. Yeah, this There's is four. How is that planned, or is that totally? There's no way that was not intentional. Yeah, John Cusack is. A, we'll get into this. He had a really heavy hand in the making of this movie. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. A lot. Um, but also, fun fact: John Cusack, or the Cusack family's from Evanston, as is. Um, Jeremy Piven's from the North Shore of Chicago, too. So they're kind of all were reuniting in this movie. Um, oh, also, I didn't know they were all local Chicago's. Yeah, the Piven Theater is started by Jeremy Piven's family. Mm-hmm, his parents. Oh. All right, let's get into it. So uh, do you have your arguments prepared? I do, Counselor. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, court stenographer, do you have the timer ready? All right, 90 seconds. Timer is set. Erica, take it away. Okay. Aged like a fine wine. Has this movie held up over time? I think yes. So this is a movie I was familiar with um, for my college years. This movie is almost ahead of its time in terms of the dark humor. The script is really snappy. Um, and a lot of the humor relies on Cusack's reaction to the world around him, really making him the grounding force of this really borderline insane plot. Um, It actually moves pretty quickly for almost a two-hour movie. And somehow, even though you have a sociopath and you really really only get snippets of some of these characters, the Jan Aykroyds and the Joan Cusacks of it, you really have all of these fully formed people in this world, which allows you to really follow John Cusack as he plays the sociopath, navigating these relationships with all of these people um, and able to, at both, at the same time, both care about these people, but also a little bit dissociate from them in a similar manner uh, that he does. Well done. All right, you ready for your next one? Are you ready for a singular sensation? I am. Singular sensation. No one else could have done this. So this script was actually, the, the man who wrote this script actually wrote it 
upon receiving an invitation to his high school reunion. Um, he was working at a Big Lots and substitute teaching at the time. The character of Marcella, which is Joan Cusack's character, is actually named after his boss at Big Lots. Um, and so he wrote the script. Um, he didn't want to go to, he, so he went, he wrote it because he didn't want to go to his, his high school reunion. He was feeling really bad about it. Um, and when they were casting this movie, they would have actors read a scene and then throw out the script and improvise the scene they had just read. So that's how John Cusack got cast in this movie. Um, and he actually helped with some of the rewrites so they could get the script down to uh, about 100 pages. And that's what they would do throughout the filming process, too. They shot three different endings to this movie. Um, and so these scenes are actually genuinely written around Cusack and his relationship to the other actors. Um, and the, the ending was also written, too, based on his reaction and his, his relationship to Minnie Driver. So literally nobody else could have done this because the script would have looked totally different with a different actor in there. Um, and those relationships between those, those actors uh, would have looked different. I also think having Cusack and Cusack against each other in kind of these roles is a really fun, nice touch that also there's that chemistry that I don't think, again, like that, that sibling chemistry um, I don't think you can recreate that with a different set of people. Um, and I just think he really crushes this. Um, and I'm going to talk about this in the next one, but it's a total departure. <laughs> than his previous roles. It's okay if you say a few. <laughs> Let me just cut off mid-word. Oh, I'm scared. I freaked out. I freaked out. <laughs> Don't you watch the debates anymore? Nobody pays attention to the timer anymore. You have to wait for Anthony to go. You must secede your time. I don't want. I don't want Anderson. I also to wasn't Matt paying attention. At me. I also wasn't paying attention to the clock and was actually listening to the argument. And then I looked over and I'm like, oh fuck, this is over with. I'll do better these next three. I promise. Yeah, it's it's tough looking at the timer. I just got to get a giant stopwatch and on my wall. Something. All right, you, you ready for a transformation exploration? I am, where I will pick up where I left off. Go for it. Okay, transformation exploration. So um, this is a total departure for him than his previous roles. He was always the love interest or kind of like the innocent guy. So for him to play a sociopath um, is is really fun. It's a really fun thing for him or fun thing to watch him do. So uh, it's also, I think, playing a sociopath is really difficult because a sociopath is someone that doesn't feel emotions. But as the mean, as a leading man, as the leading role, the, the audience has to be emotionally invested in him and his journey, right? He uses his ability to deadpan in order to actually crush Martin's lack of emotion and also to endear him to us. Um, he breaks out of his mold, right? He's transforming from his teenage heartthrob to this cold-blooded killer. And if you were watching this in 1997, this would have been um, honestly so fun to watch him pick apart the beats and then cleanly put them back together. So the fact that he's a, a comic actor and he's able to use those things, that straight face, um... To, he also, his his physicality in this movie is hilarious. He, despite the fact that he doesn't emote, he's got this really deadpan talk, the way he physically moves, he's flailing all over the place, which is also a physical representation of what's happening to his character in this movie. Sweet. Go for it. If you're ready for the next round, take it all away. Right. The artist formerly known as Chicken Salad out of Chicken Shit. So I don't think this is a bad script. So what I'm going to argue here is that his contributions to the script is actually what makes this movie what it is. So the fact that, one, he helped rewrite the script. Two, this part after being cast, they rewrote things 
for him. And the fact that he's actually improvising with Joan Cusack and Jeremy Piven. Um, the playwright or the screenwriter said that he would axe things out of the script, but John Cusack would would remember these parts he really liked from the original script and bring them back into the performance, um, which really shows too that he just really did his homework in terms of tearing these pages apart and looking for any bit of Martin Q. Blank he could to present a fully formed character to the audience. Um, his comedic timing is impeccable. A lot of the laughs actually come from his reactions to things. Um, and I also think just the ability to improvise a character like that, maybe not the whole character, but improvise those scenes as a skill into of itself, um, which really I think embodies this cat this character uh, this category. All right, body of proof. Okay, for my closing argument, body of proof. So, as I previously said, uh, he had really played these kind of like heartthrobs or these kind of teenagery roles before. He had a bit part in Sixteen Candles. He was in Better Off Dead, Stand By Me, One Crazy Summer with Demi Moore, um, and then perhaps one of his more famous roles as a teenager, Say Anything, Lloyd Dobler, Outside the Window with the Boombox. This is a total departure from that. Um, it would be three years before he played High Fidelity and another uh, number of years, like almost a decade, until he started playing things like... Um, Nixon and Lee Daniels the butler and he also played Edgar Allan Poe in The Raven which also just kind of shows you he goes from playing these like light roles to really feel like this is the pivotal moment where he's taking a dark character uh, making the audience care about him and really just finding the nuance of that especially this character as I've talked about before that this character doesn't feel emotion so his ability to show us what that character is feeling through these movements, through his improvisations, um, and then really also continue to make a career after playing a character like this, I think really uh, just drives the point home um, that this is not only an unexpected place for his career to go, but also helps drive the rest of his career forward. And I'm done. And the arguments are in. How do, how do, you, how do you feel now that it's out? Um... I feel okay. Um, unlike John Cusack, I feel like I maybe shouldn't have improvised as much there because I was wrote down notes but uh, didn't read them as much as I maybe should have. But we'll, we'll see what you happens. Were speak, when you the were speaking from the heart. Let's see what happens when the results come in. All right. Well, well. so now we have our arguments in. Uh, now we're going to go back through the categories and see... And see how it feels. So, uh, Anthony, uh, I, we're starting with Age Like a Fine Wine. Starting with Age Like a Fine Wine. Um, so here's, it's, I think, like, to kind of, like, you know, back up a little bit further. I was not familiar with this movie at all prior to seeing it. But also, in general, I'm not that familiar with John Cusack's career. Um, I think I know maybe, like, four or five movies that he's been in. Uh, so I had to like, funny enough, yes. And I wasn't <laughs> even thinking that it was. So um, that's five. I forgot he was even in that. Wow. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's funny. Uh, but beyond that, uh, I really had to like look at like everything else that he'd done and just kind of like in some way almost like do research on just like, you know, like how big of a star he was. Um, 
Which, like, you know, he was. Like, at one point, like, in the 90s especially, like, he was, like, putting, like, thing after thing after thing out. Um, as far as, like, you know, it's, like, a fine wine, um, I thought the performance actually, like, you know, holds up. Uh, it It's weird watching these movies, and I, I told Vanessa something similar, like, I feel like everything from the 90s feels so dated and antiquated in ways that, like, they didn't before. Like, now everything that comes out of the 90s feels like a period piece. And they didn't for the longest. Like, I used to be able to, like, watch yeah. them and just, like, enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like watching, like, so, like, she just did, like, a binge of, like, Fringe. She watched all ten seasons. The first ones I really didn't enjoy watching because I was like, this feels crusty and this feels old. And it feels like a world that looks nothing or feels like anything that, like, even resembles what life looks like now. But by the time she got to, like, season ten, I was like, okay, like, this feels a little bit better. Like, I can digest this a little bit more. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was all to say, uh, the movie definitely feels dated, but the performance still felt like it holds up. Josh, what did you think? You know, this, this category is the one that I, I struggle with the most for this movie. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I've been sub, I, I don't want to say I've watched so much. I've been subjected to so many action movies in my life that like, I can't help, but watch them from the point of view of like, okay, let's see how they're doing this as an action movie. And it's it's i agree with you anthony that the 90s in particular there's it's so stylized and it's almost like theatric in a way where everything feels like kind of bigger and larger and Mm -hmm. just kind of like we're doing an action movie and this is when we're gonna do this and this movie in particular because you know it was the first time i was watching it I, i was kind of torn because i loved the dialogue that was happening in the movie but i had such a hard time like like kind of getting into the action because it's just like here's a shot of john cusack with two guns and he's just gonna shoot him for a minute and a half in a gas station mm-hmm. i just there were so many points in this movie where i was like what the fuck is going on yeah, it's like but, the 90s but, in general like everything is just like amped up for like no reason like nothing okay. is really grounded in reality i would argue though that this movie is not actually trying to be an action movie it's trying to be a campy version of an action movie yes and yeah i i could i could appreciate that like watching it because that's the fun of it is you're watching john cusack kind of play off of this world that makes no fucking sense and just do as little as possible to get as much as possible and it definitely does like land the campiness of it like the scene in the gas station with the shootout and then like the kid and like that felt so 90s like that felt like something that would happen in any 90s commercial that would happen in like any like leslie nielsen like spoof of something where like obviously in like that version like everything would go wrong like but like that just felt like so like wow we don't do this in movies anymore uh what did i you gave this? this a seven i also gave this one a seven um second category singular sensation one of the reasons why i'm not that familiar with john cusack's work is that i'm not a huge john cusack fan and he just doesn't seem like he's like that nice of a person but that works really well for this like that kind of like cold stoic like i have a lot of personality but like i only turn it on when i want to and for the people that i need to do it for that selective like charisma i feel like his his who he is like really lends itself to that if that makes sense 
he's still supposed to be like this hitman. You're supposed to like believe that like you know he's capable of killing people and like, yeah, you know, he's a believable like hitman. Like yeah. he's a trained assassin. I I I I really agree with Erica on this one that it really does feel like a movie built for John Cusack. Every role in this movie supports him and kind of the different iterations and small annoyances and things that you see in him. It's so well. No, I, I really have no idea who else I would put in this because it's so shaped around it. I gave this an eight. I gave this one a nine. Next category is transformation exploration. Yeah. Um, so for this one, I, I struggled a little bit more with just because I feel like the last category, it works almost against itself. Um, but as far as like the transformation, I was a little like, I'm not sure just because a lot of it did feel like John Cusack playing this character with like 75% John Cusack. So, like, for example, like, if I were going to, like, talk about, like, a transformation exploration like, a favorite actor of mine, Denzel Washington's not always, like, acting his ass off. He's doing a really good job, but, like, he's not, like, transforming himself. He almost, like, uses the bits and pieces of himself that we're all accustomed with, and he just makes it work for that role, and then, like, changes a couple of knobs and things in order to, like, you know, make it a new character. But that's kind of what I felt like here, too. What did you think, Josh? Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of in a, in a similar boat as you, um, you know, it kind of like why I gave it such a high score for singular sensation was because I felt like so much of the movie supported him both as his character and as an artist that I think it almost kind of detract, it doesn't necessarily detract away from the transformation explanation. It just means that he like, maybe, you know, it's, it's just so supportive that he doesn't really have to change too much you know, about himself, like, because I think my favorite thing about his performance of this is that Mm -hmm. his wit just comes out so cleanly and so perfectly, like, in every possible scenario. For that, I gave it a six. I gave it a seven. You know, here's here's my rebuttal. Yeah, please. At this point in time, when this movie came out... He was not the version of John Cusack that you guys are describing. This movie contributed to like the canon of John Cusack and that kind of persona. At this point in time, he had just played teenage heartthrobs. He had played these wounded characters that like the on par with like the Ferris Bueller's of the world where it's just like they don't know what they're doing with their lives and they're conflicted about a number of things. Um, he's, um, you know, he, he had this career of sort of these bit parts at first and then he, he gets these, I mean, I feel like say anything for me is really this movie I watched over and over and over again in high school. Um, and so for him to, I feel like his transformation into some of these other roles that he eventually gets cast in a little bit later in his career, this is the pivot point. Um, prior to this, this is not, I feel like, who this guy was as an actor at all. But see, like, my thing is, like, you Mm. mentioned, like, he always played, like, you know, heartthrob, but, like, person who couldn't quite, like, you know, figure out, you know, like, what they wanted, what they were doing with their lives, everything. And in some degree, you kind of see that here. Like, I can almost see one of those heartthrobs becoming this person. Like, they just fell off the map for a little bit, and then they come back to their school, and it's like, hey, like, what happened to you? And it's like... I became a hitman and I kill people for money. I don't know though, because those 
those people felt emotion so so deeply they were totally consumed by it and this guy literally doesn't feel what do you think josh Uh, it's tough because it's kind of the inverse of, I guess, a lot of the, a lot of the other movies that we watched and, you know, talked about and rated because, you know, a lot of them are kind of like, if you can, if you will, like kind of explosions of characters where it's just like everything is out there for you to see where John Cusack is, I guess, kind of doing the opposite. He is, you know, making it small and, you know. I think that, you know, maybe it is a, a type of performance that gets dragged through the dirt a little bit. Like the idea of playing kind of like an ado- a, a, an emotionally disconnected sociopath. I think it's it, it can be kind of a pitfall because a person is watching somebody emotionally disconnected and kind of thinking instead of talking. So you can kind of perceive that as being like bad acting. Like I almost think of like, uh, like I had a conversation with somebody about Brie Larson in... Um, uh, the uh, the movie uh, I'm sorry uh, Captain Marvel movie where you know she's like she wasn't doing anything it was so small and it's like well no she's playing somebody that literally has no I mean has no semblance of how any of this works and was raised by people that you know never taught her emotion and all these things so she's trying to deal with all of this you know there it's more it's just subtleties so I think there is an art to it. It's just sometimes hard to... Like, I'm having trouble with this one because it's like, I... You know what? I'll give it a fucking eight because I think it is tricky. <laughs> and No, 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 I am because it is... I, I'm trying to actively give more respect to people that are making that choice uh, of doing less being a trained actor because that is actually, I think, twice as hard than doing the big loud things and like the impressive things but it gets so much less appreciation so yeah i'll change it i have not been swayed i i convinced myself i'm sorry all right respect i'm gonna hold on to that for next week (laughs) We can't keep this name. The artist formerly called Chicken Salad Out of Chicken Shit. He is kind of like a magnet where it's like everybody that is acting with him that, uh, you know, like everybody else in the movie feels like they kind of have like this gravitational pull because of him. Not just because of the lead, but also because like, you know, like when you watch him, like, you know, act off Mini Driver, Joan Cusack, um, it's always a lot more fun. Like I like watching everybody interact with him more than like you know when he's off screen um and i think that that's a big thing of it right where it's like it's not just necessarily like you know bringing the movie up uh in terms of like your performance it's how you uplift all the other performances too and how you bring out the most in like you know every other element and i felt like that was pretty strong yeah uh you know it did help hearing that Mm -hmm. some of that stuff between joan cusack and him was improv because uh, I didn't know that, and I'm not I'm not surprised by that. Uh, you know, hearing that he was he helped write this and kind of tailor it to his trajectory and some of the characters' trajectory. I mean, same same with Age Like a Fine Wine. Uh, it it's still there's some of the story structure in there that I know it's supposed to be satire, but it just it it was there was moments where I was just like I had a hard time believing what I was seeing to kind of like invest in the stakes if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
I gave this one a seven. I gave this one an eight. Erica, would you like to object? You know, I, I feel like I, I got an extra point out of Josh last time, but what I will say, um, I, I feel like this is a script that I would love to see, like, a staged reading of at, like, the music box on a Thursday night. Because um, I feel like that's a lot of the fun of this movie is is the interactions between the characters. Um, and John Cusack, like I said, just kind of grounding it and the story revolving around around him and him being the ripple effect for all of this. And then our last category. Body of Proof. And, you know, Erica, you did a very good job. That, you know, essentially that, you know, his career trajectory matches that this was a very different, darker role that in his, in, in you know, his tra- uh, career. And then it led to things that were probably a little bit more similar to this. Uh, so, you know, I, I, th- I, I thought this, this was a good category for, uh, for this movie. Uh, for John Cusack in particular. What did you give this one? I gave it an 8. So I struggled with this one in the same way that I struggled with uh, the transformation exploration. Um, Because it's like, yes, was this like unexpected for a lot of the reasons that Erica said, where it's like, you know, he was playing like, you know, angsty teenage heartthrob, like, you know, basically being like, you know, like that type of like an archetype. And then this kind of like changed that. It's like, yes, this was the catalyst for a lot of those other roles that were no longer like this one. However, um, so many of the roles that he then played afterwards were just wild. Like, this man ended up playing Richard Nixon at some point in his career. Like, he has played so many weird, like, off-balance characters that I feel like that's what he should have been doing from Jump. Like, I almost wish that he had a career that was more like Joaquin Phoenix, where it's like, like all over the place but like you know still like you know maintain like that level of like handsomeness so he got some of those roles on top of it too but it was very well known like guys like a really good actor and is also like kind of like off a little bit which is like what allows him to really tap into some of this stuff um so yeah it's like i struggle because it's like yes was this like you know like the the tipping point for him to like you know be able to do other stuff totally but as far as looking at like you know like his body of work it's like does this does this one stand out as being uh, very different than everything else? Uh, or is this one just like, you know, one of the very first ones that like, you know, started that trajectory? I'm torn. So what'd you give it? Well, I mean, that's like the category though, right? Is that it could either be one or the other. I say seven. Because I'm torn. All right. Our Erica, you have, you, you got your scores. Uh, do you uh have any final remarks before we tally them up um i don't i i really struggled with this this year um i every i wished i had had 1998 because there's like my problem was with this year's there were just not a lot of movies i had seen so without having to watch Mm. like 17 movies um, cause as we also talked about, this was the year that men in black came out. I definitely wasn't going to sit, make myself or you guys sit through Titanic. Um, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't consider that a sit through. That's a great movie. Oh, I hate that movie. Um, well, I'll really? yeah. <laughs> oh I also for a hot second guys thought we were going to talk about the only available on YouTube. It's not on Disney plus version of Cinderella starring Brandy and Whitney Houston. However, 
the acting in that movie is not good. It's garbage. <laughs> it's absolute dog shit. I remember it as being incredible, and I found it on YouTube, and then I was like, what am I watching? <laughs> yeah, it's like the soundtrack is bopping, but like that's about it. Yeah, wild. Whoopi Goldberg totally phoning it in. Jason Alexander is doing an accent. No one else in the movie is doing an accent. That movie's been... <laughs> Don't you love when, like, an actor decides to make a choice and nobody else even, like, kind of... Nobody supports it. <laughs> I watched, like, 20 minutes of it. Um... Mm. Uh, okay. Well, do you do you have do you have the uh, do you, do you happen to have the numbers uh, written down so that we can know your final score? Yes. Okay. So I so I, I have a grand total of thirty six points from Anthony, which I'm certainly going to remember. Um, thirty nine <laughs> points from Josh, which uh, brings me to a grand total of seventy five, which is passing. But I I know I can do better. Congratulations, Erica, uh, for uh, nominating John Cusack uh, in Zero Dark Thirty. What was the name of the movie again? Shit. You know what? That's fine. I, I, I'll. That's. I'm good with that. <laughs> Wait, you like to? Do you have a speech prepared to accept the Vincent D'Onofrio Award today? Yes. I, I would just like to say that it was such a delight to work on such an iconic story um, about our nation's history. Uh, working with Jessica Chastain was pure pure magic. She's she's a total professional, um, and I, I think this movie is is gonna go down in history as um, as really a, a pinnacle piece of cinema. Respect. This is Erica's second win of the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. <laughs> All right, should we should we pick a year for you? Yes. Um, let me get out my D and dice. Right. Okay. So we have done the years 93, 96, 97, 99, and 2000. All right. Let's see what we get here. I got one. 1991. All right. All right, Anthony. You're going to be giving us a movie from 1991 then. Ooh. 1991 film. Ugh. That's how, that's how I felt about 97. <laughs> What, what came out 1991 movies? Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, the cinema classic Point Break. Hook? Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. City Slippers? Back to uh, Terminator 2? Drop Dead Fred. Holy shit. This is a weird year for movies. What about Father of the Bride? Guys, I'm kind of scared for this one. The Fisher King? Holy shit. You got a lot to choose We're from. We're getting challenging stuff. Mobsters. Disney's Beauty and the Beast. I'm really, like, kind of at a loss right now. I don't know what the hell I'm going to choose. Yeah. Challenge, you know Good what? Luck. Challenging year. You know what? This it's is a like, really difficult one. I'm not going to lie. I, we could, you know what? I think this is a good thing because I don't know about you, but, like, like I, I'm, I, nobody has not gotten the award yet. It's true. Like, we got we to gotta up the stakes. We got to put in some hard ones. So, uh, yeah, I guess you're just getting a challenging year. All right. I'm kind of nervous. Yeah. Have fun. 1991, <laughs> Anthony. Quit, quit talking about it. Go find a movie. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Not the Oscars. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on your favorite listening platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Not the Oscars. That's N-O-T-D-O-S-C-A-R-S. 
or email us at getmesugarwater at gmail.com to submit a performance that you think deserves the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. See you again next week.